Welcome to Kingdom Talk 2.0 Radio Hour with Dennis McCord, founder of God Hope Ministry and Pastor Charlie Avila from Clovis Christian Center. Kingdom Talk is where Christ is King and we are subjects and citizens of the Kingdom of God. Oh yes we are, Kingdom Talk 2.0 every Saturday from 1 to 2 here on Kingdom Talk Radio, that's 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. We are talking about the gospel of the kingdom, and we're wanting to facilitate the kingdom of God in planet Earth from God's word. And we uh, are here with, uh, usually, with Pastor Charlie Avila from Clovis Christian Center. He's actually out in the field today. So I am here with you to take a look into God's word about how we move forward as subjects and citizens of the kingdom of God. But specifically, we've been doing a series on end times, and we've been talking about Bible prophecy and getting into some of the particulars and we're always wanting to lay a foundation of unity and recognizing that uh, we're not saying that this is an essential doctrine, that you have to believe uh, in our view of the end times. We are recognizing our radical unity that we have in Christ. And in the previous hour, we we touched on Matthew 18 about um, how that uh, whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receives me, and how important it is that we recognize that that little child is talking about another believer. In context there in Matthew 18, uh, we see that uh, uh, Jesus is, is saying that uh, those anyone who humbles himself as this little child and believes in me, um, that the same uh, is, is uh, a citizen of the kingdom. So that's really what we're wanting to, to reemphasize here as we go further down this road of understanding what's coming upon the earth with regards to the second coming of our Lord, uh, end times, really knowing uh, and understanding what the Bible says, what our Lord said about his coming, about uh, the resurrection of the righteous, the uh, uh, the rapture of, of, of believers that are alive, uh, the judgment on the wicked, and uh, his uh, coming uh, to establish his kingdom on the earth, uh, from Jerusalem throughout the millennium and around the world, uh, we want to uh, to be very careful in how we approach the scriptures. But again, wanting to honor our brothers and sisters that hold a different view. So this is really the heart of this particular program. While Charlie's away, I want to reemphasize that unity that we have again in essentials unity and non-essentials diversity in all things charity, and we can agree to disagree agreeably on these subjects. Charlie and I hold to a historical premillennial view regarding the second coming of our Lord versus a amillennial or postmillennial view. Uh, just briefly, um, premillennialism is that Christ comes before the millennium. That's why we call it premillennialism. Postmillennialism is that Christ comes after the millennium. In other words, the church establishes uh, the millennial kingdom prior to the second coming of Jesus, thus post-millennialism. And all millennialism, the A in front of the word negates the millennium, basically saying there is no literal millennium. Uh, it is realized now in the church that the church is actually reigning with Christ now for a thousand years. A thousand is not literal. It's just the uh, period of the church age. And that is why it's called all millennialism. So we hold to a historic premillennial view. And that is a particular premillennial view over against dispensational premillennialism. So that's what our 
uh, series has been about over the last uh, few weeks. And we've been uh, drawing largely from uh, Pastor Charlie Avila's book, uh, The End Times. And you can get a free copy of that just by emailing him. Uh, that is uh, the teacher of the Bible uh, uh, at, uh, at com, And you can get a free copy. It's actually teacher of the Bible at gmail.com uh, and just request the end time book and he will send that to you. And so in our discussion, uh, we're wanting to recognize that um, we have so much in common uh, in Christ in the essentials, but even, even with our dispensationalist uh, brothers and sisters who hold to a pre-trib rapture and some of the distinctives of dispensationalism, we have so much in common of course, in our unity in Christ, in the person and work of Christ. Um, yes, uh, we are endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We've already had the unity. We're not fighting for unity. We are operating from unity uh, in Christ, and we're endeavoring to keep that unity. So, so when we have that solid identity in Christ, affirming one another, never questioning one's salvation or validity as a brother or sister in Christ because we have a different view on the end times. My goodness, no. But but always uh, affirming one another and, and never challenging that, uh, honoring, loving one another. But then from that place of deep honor and love and acceptance in Christ, we can then have real conversations about some of these non-essentials, some of the distinctives, even eschatology, meaning last things, and also on Bible prophecy uh, without uh, ever offending one another, uh, causing one to stumble, and so on. So that's that's extremely important. And in the last hour, um, we were talking about Matthew 18 and how that um, we are to receive one another because if we don't receive one another, we are potentially putting a stumbling block in front of our brother and sister. And so, you know, moving on from that about receiving one another. And by the way, you can listen into both Kingdom Talk and Kingdom Talk 2.0 on your podcast platforms. That would be Apple Podcasts. That would be Spotify. Just type in Kingdom Talk. You can bring it up. You can like and subscribe and share. And then uh, you would be able to go back and listen to the first hour if you didn't get a chance to, because we do talk about that unity and that receiving one another, you know, Uh, And we see there in Matthew 18, the context of that is about leaving the 99 to go after the one. And just carrying that forward a little bit uh, there in Matthew 18, it's interesting that, you know, after Jesus gives that stark warning that whosoever causes one of these little ones, what little ones? The believer in Christ, right? Causes one of these little ones to stumble or to fall into sin. It's better than a millstone were wrapped around his neck and he were cast into the sea. Uh, that stark warning uh, is against is, is to us really to to warn against us in any way not receiving a true brother and sister in Christ maybe because of some sort of denominational distinctive or even hold a view on end times uh, you know that we would somehow uh, not fellowship with somebody and disassociate uh, from them because of something that is not essential and that would set him up or her up for stumbling into sin. That's a very stark warning to us to make sure that we are receiving our brothers and sisters as God, for Christ's sake, has received us. And then he, Jesus goes on. He says, if your right hand offends you, 
uh, cut it off. Your right hand, your foot offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. So, so it's better to enter into life halt or, or you know, um, uh, to, to, to be um, maimed uh, or to have, you know, uh, one eye or one hand than to have two hands or two feet to be cast into uh, everlasting fire. So it's a stark warning. Do whatever it takes to make sure that you're facilitating unity, that you're receiving one another. And, um, and so um, it's better to be lame physically and enter into life. And he's just basically using hyperbole to make a very strong point to do whatever it takes. Now, um, he says, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Which little ones? The one who believes in Jesus. Uh, yes, children, but but the one who believes in Jesus in context here is talking about a believer. We often apply this just to children That that as far as putting a stumbling block, causing a child to stumble. Well, those who uh, enter the kingdom of God must become as a little child. And in context, that's what Jesus is referring to. When, when uh, the disciples asked him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. Except you become and be converted as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of heaven. So now, now that we recognize that we are here understanding this to be meaning brothers and sisters in Christ that we cannot cause them to stumble, that we can then see that he says, do not despise one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. So he's in context talking about receiving those who believe in Jesus or even a potential believer, making sure that we're not offending them or causing them to stumble into sin. Because, verse 11, Matthew 18, the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. So what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seek that which has gone astray? And if so, that he find him, truly I say unto you, he rejoices more over that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. So the context, again, is winning the lost. It's winning our brother. It's about restoring a brother or restoring a lost person to God. And that's what sets the stage for the famous passage about if your brother trespasses against you, go to him alone. Uh, if he repents, you've gained your brother. If he doesn't repent, take two or three others. Uh, and then if he doesn't receive that, bring it before the church. That's all about restoration. It's not about you know disfellowshipping. I mean, that's a part of it at the very end there. If he doesn't hear the church, that there would be church discipline applied and then uh, would bring them to repentance and restoration. So the context of Matthew 18 is all about re- uh, restoration and receiving and so we have to be careful that we don't disassociate from someone, especially on something so um, non-essential as end times and Bible prophecy. And that's really what I believe the Lord wants uh, to lay as a solid foundation here, because we're going to continue to talk about this particular distinctive of historical premillennialism, but in no way uh, demeaning, diminishing, devaluing our brothers and sisters that hold to a different view, whether it be amillennialism, postmillennialism, or dispensational premillennialism. So that's what I want to 
just focusing for a minute here on, I believe the Lord would have us to recognize that, again, we have so much in common in our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, we are brothers and sisters. But then if you move into end time uh, understanding and we look at um, what we have in common with all millennialists as historical premillennialists, is all millennialists do believe that we're in the kingdom now, uh, that uh, it's not a deferred kingdom, uh, that uh, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is near, and then on the day of Pentecost, the kingdom of God was established in the spirit. So there's a kingdom now and kingdom not yet. There's no deferring of the kingdom as to where um, dispensationalists will uh, say that the kingdom has been deferred. We're in the church age. The kingdom is going to be brought back to Israel when Christ comes and raptures the church seven years to his, you know, prior to his, his visible glorious second coming. There's that secret rapture. Then the kingdom is, is instated uh, is there uh, in uh, that time frame uh, after uh, the bride is caught away in the rapture. So that is um, a, 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 a view uh, that doesn't believe that the kingdom is now as to where with our all millennialist and post millennialist friends, we do recognize that uh, Jesus did establish the kingdom. We see in Colossians one that Paul says he, that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated past tense, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And so uh, we recognize that we are currently now in the kingdom. It's kingdom now, kingdom not yet. There is a fuller, uh, tangible manifestation of the kingdom when Christ returns, but we are in the kingdom now. We see that Jesus, Peter, James, John, they all preach the gospel of the kingdom. In the last hour on kingdom talk, we went to the end of Acts there. It says that um, uh, uh, Paul uh, dwelt in his own hired house. Uh, for 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 three two and a half years, and it says that um, he received all that came unto him, and preached the gospel of the kingdom, teaching those things concerning Jesus. Now, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Paul did. So again, we are in the kingdom now. Um, we also uh, know uh, that uh, in uh, in in Acts. Uh, Acts 20, it says that uh, Paul preached the gospel of grace, but then the next two verses down, he says he preached the gospel of the kingdom. So we are uh, in the kingdom now, and we are realizing Christ's headship, and we're moving forward. As Paul says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So again, with our all-millennial brothers and sisters and our post-millennial brothers and sisters, we recognize there is a very real dynamic of the kingdom of God now. In fact, we see the parables. How can you get around the parables? Matthew 13, the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed seed in the ground. Some fell by the wayside, some on stony ground, some on thorny ground, some on good ground. That's all about the church and about the spiritual kingdom now with Christ as king and we as subjects and citizens of his kingdom. Thus, Kingdom Talk Radio. That's why we're emphasizing the kingdom, because we are in the kingdom now. But look at those parables. My goodness, throughout uh, Jesus' teaching, but Matthew 13, right there, there's like seven parables. There are, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. So you got, you've got the, um, 
the good soil and the bad soil there in Matthew 13 there at the beginning of the chapter. Then you've got the wheat and the tares. Again, that's talking about the church age, that the tares are to abide, and then when Christ comes, he separates the tares. We're not to pluck them up. We're not to forcibly, you know, remove people, you know, certainly not, you know, uh, execute them or whatever. We, we, we got to wait until Christ comes back and he will judge the wicked and remove those tares. And then you have the, the parable of the mustard seed that becomes a mustard tree. That's talking about the church. The kingdom of God is like a uh, mustard seed, which is the least of all the seeds. It's planted, it grows up, it becomes the greatest of the herbs, and the birds of the air come and nest in it. So again, these parables, uh, the kingdom of God is like uh, leaven hidden in three measures of meal, uh, where uh, the whole leaven, the whole loaf becomes leaven. Uh, that's talking about the church growing up into uh, the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, the church growing up into maturity. Uh, the kingdom of God uh, is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man finds and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. Again, that's talking about the church age. We we find the treasure. We sell everything for the kingdom. We seek the kingdom of God first. It's not talking about uh, uh, the millennium. It's not talking about a future. It's talking about right now is the kingdom. You know, we see the kingdom of God is like a, a, a uh, valuable pearl that a man finds. He sells all that he has and he buys the pearl. And he goes on. Uh, the kingdom of God is, is like a man who casts a net in the sea and uh, he brings forth fish, both good and bad, and he separates them and so on. So so again, the kingdom is now, the kingdom is the church, uh, and it's kingdom not yet when Christ returns. Now, so what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the king and his people. In Revelation 1, the revelation, John, he says that he's made unto us a kingdom. He's made us a kingdom unto God, a kingdom of priests. And so, again, the kingdom is wherever the king is and wherever his subjects are. So we just listed off seven parables there in Matthew 13, but now we see in Revelation 1 that we are called the kingdom. He's made us unto God a kingdom of priests. So let's let's be aware of the kingdom now dynamic. Now, on that note, again, we're talking about the unity that we have in Christ and then even agreement amongst different eschatological constructs, so different end-time scenarios. There is unity with regards to the kingdom now with us as historical premillennialists, amillennialists, and postmillennialists. We recognize the kingdom is now, but there's also a not yet dynamic, okay? Um, now, even our dispensational premillennialists, those who hold to Darbyism and those who hold to a pre-trib rapture uh, and a, a view of dual covenant theology where the Jews are saved one way and the Christians are saved another way, there's going to be a rebuilt temple and the sacrifices are going to be reestablished. Um, and these distinctives about the seven-year tribulation and so on and secret rapture at seven years prior, that... Um, that most of our, the most of the dispensationalists that I know that hold to that, they still believe there's some form of the kingdom now, even though the doctrine doesn't teach that. There's, like any particular school of thought, there's a continuum. There's going to be those who are hyper dispensationalists and those who are not so much, right? And somewhere in between. Uh, and so we got to recognize that. 
hyper-dispensationalists will say that Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is not for the church. That was the kingdom dispensation. That was to Israel. Now Israel has been rejected. The church age has come. When Israel is reinstated at the pre-trib rapture, then the kingdom will be reestablished and all of those amazing (laughs) teachings of Jesus about the kingdom will apply to Israel, not the church. That is untenable. The Sermon on the Mount is the Magna Carta. It is the constitution of the kingdom of God. Let's just lay that out there. That is what we're to live by. It's the Holy Spirit written in our hearts. The Sermon on the Mount, that's the lofty standard of the kingdom of God. And we can spend a whole uh, program talking about that. But um, my goodness, blessed are the poor in spirit. In fact, leading up to the Sermon on the Mount, um, you know, it's clearly uh, talking about uh, the kingdom because uh, Jesus ends up, you know, going, it says he went throughout uh, Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so we have to recognize that it truly is the gospel of the kingdom there in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We see here in in, in Matthew 4, leading up to that in verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then who preached the gospel of the kingdom? Paul preached the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, we just uh, just quoted there in Matthew twenty. I'm sorry, Acts twenty eight, the very last two verses that uh, Paul received all that came unto him, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching those things concerning Jesus. And so we must see that Paul taught the kingdom. Jesus taught the kingdom, uh, and and so on. Uh, and so we see here in, in Acts 20, he says, uh, 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 Paul says, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So it's the whole counsel of God. It's not just part of it. It is the gospel of the kingdom. There's only one gospel. We know in Galatians 1, Paul said that anyone, if anyone would come and preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And then he reaffirms that. If anyone, we an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than that which I preached, let him be accursed. So so there's only one gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It is uh, the gospel uh, that Paul preached. It's the, pos- the gospel that Peter preached uh, and Jesus and James and all of them preached. Um, it's, it's interesting here um, that we see here in Acts chapter 20 that it says here in verse 24, but none of these things, Paul's talking now, he says, none of these things move me, neither did I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. So, so hyper-dispensationalists, again, they're, they're premillennialists, still believe that Jesus comes before the millennium, but that the kingdom has been put on hold. Uh, and so that, again, the Sermon on the Mount, all those teachings, all those parables, 
No, they don't apply to us. That was for the kingdom. That was for the Jews. Uh, that, that only Paul's gospel applies to us, which is very wrong. Uh, and we see here in verse 24 of, of chapter 20, he says, um, he's te- Paul testifies of the gospel of the grace of God. So some will say, well, look, Paul taught the gospel of grace. Jesus taught the gospel of the kingdom. Well, no, look at verse 25, the very next verse. Paul says, and now behold, I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. You see, the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom are one and the same. Acts chapter 20, verses 24 and 25, it's one gospel. It's the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of the kingdom. In fact, that one and only true gospel is called several things. It has several appellations or titles. It's called the gospel of grace, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ. Paul calls it my gospel. Um, uh, there's a lot of titles for that one gospel. Uh, and so um, let's recognize that we are in the kingdom now, and there is a future kingdom not yet to be realized. So now with our dispensationalist brothers, again, we're talking about unity here. So we have that unity in the person and work of Christ. So that's said and done. We recognize and honor and receive all our brothers and sisters who hold a different understanding of Bible prophecy. But even within those different eschatological constructs or end time views, there's tremendous amount of unity, even in agreement uh, with regards to being in the kingdom now, but kingdom not yet. Although the hyper dispensationalists would say that we're not in the kingdom now. That only happens when Jesus comes back. Now, most who hold to a pre-trib rapture will say we are in the kingdom now. So that's a lot in common. Now let's talk about what else we have in common with our dispensationalist brothers and sisters. Okay, so we have, of course, again, our unity in Christ. We also, I think most, but many dispensationalists do believe that there's some form of the kingdom now. You can't get around it. You have to acknowledge that Paul preached the gospel of the kingdom. We have to recognize that we are in the kingdom now. Jesus is the king. We are his subjects. Um but not only that, we also hold to a premillennial coming. We recognize that Jesus comes before the millennium. That's huge. That is a huge area of agreement amongst dispensationalists, dispensational premillennialists and historical premillennialists. Again, historical premillennialists reject all of the new teaching that Darby brought in around the 1830s and the reason why it's called historical because it goes all the way back to the early church. I believe to the apostles. We believe to the apostles and Jesus. They were historical premillennialists, but that's probably, you know, a little jab there. But but the bottom line is we know the early church, uh, a Justin Martyr, okay, um, who who was uh, the, uh, a contemporary of Polycarp who sat under John the Apostle. He was a historical premillennialist. He believed in the premillennial coming of Jesus, Okay, now Irenaeus believed it. Uh, again, we're talking early second century here. This is within. This is the time frame of, 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 of uh, within, you know, just years of of, of John the Apostle, um, um, Hippolytus, uh, all the way on up to uh, to well, certainly uh, for the for the first uh, two hundred uh, two hundred and fifty, uh, really three hundred years. The early church held to the premillennial coming of Jesus. Now, also, those same church fathers were futurist regarding uh, the Antichrist, the revelation, 
uh, and many of the Old Testament prophecies, certainly futurists regarding the restoration of Israel. So, so, so that along with the early fathers and dispensationalist uh, brothers and sisters, we recognize the future fulfillment of prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. Why is that important? Well, that, that's important because we're recognizing the, the restoration of Israel. We see that the restoration of Israel in 1948, that's the beginning of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. That's an amazing faith builder. Now, let me just say, you're listening to Kingdom Talk Radio. That's Kingdom Talk 2.0 every Saturday from 1 to 2 here on 1550KXX, the best talk in town. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcast, or right here every Saturday from 1 to 2. Pastor Charlie's away, and I'm talking today about the unity that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, never wanting to any way diminish that, but maximize that unity by encouraging one another and coming to a better understanding, uh, even of Bible prophecy. Again, this is not something that we divide over. I want to honor my brothers and sisters who hold to a different view, but want to challenge each other with regards to how we understand Bible prophecy, because a third of the Bible is Bible prophecy, and it's important God didn't just put it in there because he had extra ink and pages. No, it's important. We're to be sons of Issachar to understand the times to know what Israel ought to do. Now, thinking again, let's let's just hang in there with me. You know, let's go down this path here together about the unity that we have with our dispensational premillennial brothers and sisters, and those of us who hold to a historical premillennial view. We all agree in a future restoration of Israel. That's an amazing Bible understanding. My goodness to see what happened in 1948, to see that there's now 30,000 Jews in Israel that that believe in Jesus and so many more around the world that are of Jewish descent, ethnic Israel, that believe in Jesus. This was prophesied over and over again in the scriptures, and we're going to do a whole series specifically on the restoration of Israel. So to our pre-trib rapture brothers and sisters, hang in there with us, even if you reject uh, our post-trib rapture view, our historical premillennial view, Hang in there because we can agree on the future of Israel and we can agree on the premillennial coming of Jesus and we can believe on the millennial kingdom that ushers in uh, the eternal state, but it's the uh, introduction um, of that uh, eternal kingdom. Now, again, look at that unity we have there in the restoration of Israel. So, so those church fathers... In the first, second, and third century, and I believe Jesus and the apostles, again, all believed that there were yet prophecies to be fulfilled. That is a futurist view of those prophecies. A preterist view is believing that all those prophecies have been fulfilled. Now, my good friend Steve Gregg, uh, who's here on 1550KXEX every weekday, he's also on during the weekend. They, they, they put him on and replay some of his shows, but he's live every weekday. Uh, and you can call into his program and ask him questions about this. Tell him Dennis the Millennialist sent you. Give Steve a call and challenge him on his preterist views about Israel because he believes all those prophecies about Israel being restored have already been fulfilled back in ancient days. You know, the repatriation of the Jews after the Babylonian exile, uh, that that was the fulfillment or other uh, things regarding coming to Christ is the fulfillment of all that. He has a whole... Uh, viewpoint on his 
is partial preterism. He's not a full preterist. He does believe that there's some prophecies yet to be fulfilled regarding Jesus' second coming, but he's largely preterist. He's, he's way too preterist for me. Um, so he believes that those prophecies have already been fulfilled, but yet our dispensational premillennialists, along with us historical premillennialists, we all believe that there's a future for Israel. That is amazing. That's important. So again, as we go forward in this series on Bible prophecy, um, we're talking about big concepts, but we need to reinforce those. Exercise your spiritual muscles with regards to Bible prophecy. Again, there's preterists. They believe that something's been fulfilled. There's a historicist or idealist that things being fulfilled throughout the ages. And then there's futurists. It's yet to be fulfilled. And those are the challenges that we have as Bible exegetes. Those who are pulling from the Bible what the Bible says. We have to do that heavy lifting uh, to understand, was a particular prophecy fulfilled already? Has it been being fulfilled throughout the ages? Or is it yet to be fulfilled? Or is it all the above or any combination of the three? That's that's what you're called to. If you really want to understand Bible prophecy, and I know I do, and I believe that you do because you're listening into Kingdom Talk 2.0 here, let's, let's do the heavy lifting. Let's not shrink back. Let's get some sweat on our brow. Let's de- burn the midnight oil. Let's dive into the scriptures and, 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 and be those who labor in word and doctrine to be strong oxen that are laboring in the kingdom and threshing out the wheat, going for those kernels of wheat. Hallelujah. What a joy. What an excitement to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are looking for that blessed hope. This is an antidote to depression and the molly grubs and feeling down and sad. We have an amazing hope. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is coming back. I'm about ready to play the organ here, but uh, we are talking about that second coming of Jesus. That's okay, producer. We'll catch it next time. But, um, you know, we want to be those who uh, are aware of uh, the things that are coming upon the earth. And so, again, looking at that unity that we have in Christ, but then even on some of these end-time prophecies with our brothers and sisters, again, there's the future. We're talking about dispensationalists, those who hold the pre-trib rapture. We agree on the future of Israel. We agree on the premillennial coming of Jesus. That's a whole lot in common. And so we can work together in uh, refuting this all-millennial position that somehow we are in uh, the millennium now or the post-millennial view that somehow the church is going to establish the millennium for a thousand years through basically leading everybody to Christ and then all the institutions, government and media and all of that business, everything becomes Christianized and then Christ comes back. We can work together to refute that. But I, I do want to encourage our dispensational brothers and sisters that Charlie and I are wanting to kind of clear the air, you know, uh, have a clean slate to get rid of some of the confusing aspects of dispensationalism so we can see clearly that there's a singular second coming of Jesus. It's all talking about uh, the same uh, multifaceted event, including uh, the resurrection of the righteous, the rapture of the church, uh, the judgment of the wicked, and the establishment of God's kingdom and the restoration of Israel uh, throughout the millennium. So uh, this is all one singular event, but but again, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's walk in unity. And as we see here in Acts 28 again, it says Paul dwelt two whole years in his own 
rented house. And he received all that came unto him. It doesn't say he received only the historical premillennialists, okay? It says he received all that came unto him. It doesn't say he received only the all-millennialists or the post-millennialists or what dispensationalists. He received all that came unto him. Hallelujah. And it says, preaching the kingdom of God. He didn't preach his denominationalism, okay? Uh, He preached the kingdom, including Baptists. He didn't receive just the Pharisees or just the Sadducees or or what have you. Uh, He received all that came unto many preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And those things concerning Jesus. Now, that's important because we're wanting to facilitate unity, even as we get into some of these Bible prophecy and time distinctives of historical premillennialism, we are one in Christ. We're preaching the kingdom of God. Now, teaching those things concerning the Lord Jesus, I mean, it's amazing to look at here in Acts 28, uh, because eschatology, Bible prophecy, is all about Jesus. So we are preaching those things concerning Jesus. Now, we may have some differences regarding uh, when he comes, how he comes, who he comes for, you know, when all that happens, all that. Uh, but we do have unanimity and unity, really conformity to Christ uh, with regards to his person and his work, the divine preexistent son of God, you know, coming in the womb of Mary and the full gospel. So, so there's a whole lot of unity going on there. Um, but now when we start preaching the kingdom and then those things concerning Jesus Christ, like Paul did, Acts 28, I highly recommend opening your Bible and reading reading that. I'm going to read it again. It's such a powerful. This is the end of the book of Acts, uh, and you can actually probably put a dot, dot, dot there at the end because we're continuing uh, in the book of Acts as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's ongoing. But the last two verses of the book of Acts, uh, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all that came unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. Now, that last word, akalitos in the Greek, is translated no man forbidding him. So there's four words here in this translation. Uh, some translations just say uh, unhindered, and that's a better translation because it's really one word. The very last word of the book of Acts is unhindered, akalitos. So, so Paul was unhinged, unleashed, unhindered. He was loosed and free to preach the gospel of the kingdom and those things concerning Jesus. And so we are here on Kingdom Talk 2.0 every Saturday from 1 to 2 here on 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town. We are unhindered, unplugged, unleashed. We're going to speak the truth of the gospel of the kingdom but we want to make sure that we are causing offense to no one when it comes to Bible prophecy. Again, many who listen in, many great and godly, great pastors and leaders here in Fresno, in Clovis, in Central Valley, in around the nation, around the world, uh, that hold to a different view on, on the end times, who are amazing, mature, spiritually anointed men and women of God. We need to honor them and respect them and receive them as it says Paul did here in Acts 28. 
Verse 30, he received all that came unto him. So that's what I believe this hour is what the Lord wants us to emphasize here is that unity we have even in diversity of, of Bible prophecy. Uh, and so let's, let's, let's have that heart of unity. Let's move forward uh, together and let's labor. And again, our dispensationalist friends, let's work together to convince uh, our all-millennialist and post-millennial friends that, that look, the millennium doesn't happen till Jesus comes back, that that full robust manifestation of the kingdom of God is when the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, comes back to sit upon the throne of David and to reign from Jerusalem and establish and lead all the nations. It's not about just the restoration of Israel. It's about the restoration of all nations. It says the tree uh, will be for the healing of the nations. The tree of life there in Revelation 21. The nations, the restoration of Israel is the restoration of the nations. This is the hope that we have. No more cancer, no more death, no more murder, no more uh, uh, you know, uh, partisan politics, no more uh, hatred and, and lust and greed. Hallelujah. For we look for a kingdom of righteousness wherein dwells peace. So seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Wherein the heavens beyond fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. We nevertheless, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. According to his promise, we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth. Now, when God promises something, it happens. He follows through. God is a God of his word. God is a man of his word. And, and uh, you know, when a politician promises something, don't hang your hat on it, right? Well, Jesus is not a politician. Jesus is the divine son of God, and he's promised us a new heavens and a new earth. We can hang our hat on that. We can trust the word of the Lord. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The words of Christ are solid. They're true. They're alive, they're powerful, and they're trustworthy. Worthy of our trust. So what a great hope we have in Christ. And so let's move forward in that unity, recognizing that there are future prophecies yet to be fulfilled. So so again, historical premillennialists and dispensationalists have a largely futurist view of Bible prophecy. All millennialists and post-millennialists have a largely preterist view. Now, we all, all Christians are partial preterists. We understand that all the prophecies about Jesus' first coming have already been fulfilled. So we are partial preterists on those. Well, we were preterists on those verses on the first coming. They've already been fulfilled. Um, but yet we recognize there are still prophecies yet to be fulfilled. And because of the kingdom now, the millennium now, I should say, because all millennialists and post-millennialists understand the kingdom now, uh, sorry, the millennium now and the kingdom now, but the millennium now, they take all those prophecies that are prophesying about the messianic age and they see them already fulfilled in the church. That's why they're preterist. They are seeing those things as fulfilled as to where those of us who I think rightly understand the scripture, rightly handling the word of truth, 
we understand that the millennium is yet future. So those prophecies about the wolf dwelling with the lamb, the leopard lying down with the kid, all these messianic kingdom prophecies, Isaiah 65 and 66, Isaiah 60, uh, Isaiah 2, uh, you know, the, all these kingdom prophecies, uh, you know, Psalm 45, the Psalms, um, you know, uh, Psalms 2 and, and different uh, uh, prophets, Zechariah, all these prophecies about the millennium are yet to be fulfilled. That's why we are more futurist in our understanding of Bible prophecy. So, again, we are wanting to facilitate unity when we can work together to encourage one another and to understand. Um, it says in the last days, knowledge shall increase. People shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. We see that the book of Daniel was sealed, but the book of Revelation is unsealed. This is an amazing time to be alive in Christ on planet Earth. And when it comes to Bible prophecy, we shouldn't shrink back. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. Again, let's not give up and say, well, I'm pan-millennial. You know, it'll all pan out at the end, right? Uh, let's, let's not just throw the towel in. Let's be diligent. For those who come to God uh, must first believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that's what we're wanting to do, and that's what we are doing here on Kingdom Talk. That's Kingdom Talk from 12 to 1 every Saturday here on 1550KXEX, the best talk in town, and then Kingdom Talk 2.0 from 1 to 2. So join us so we can go down this road together and encourage one another. Please email me if you have any questions or disagreements, especially disagreements, uh, dennis.mccourt at gmail.com. I'll read those on the air, and we will uh, field your questions. Uh, but we're hoping to have a debate here coming up uh, from uh, dispensational, uh, dispensational premillennialists, also uh, postmillennialists, and amillennialists. So I'm throwing those big terms out there because we've been explaining them throughout this series. I'm hoping you're wrapping your mind around them. We want to encourage you to... Uh, expand your understanding of the Bible so that we can grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God bless you all. Pastor Charlie will be back next week. Uh, He's uh, out in the field, and uh, we're going to continue this conversation uh, regarding end times, regarding Bible prophecy, and wanting to make those distinctions so that we can understand the times to know what Israel ought to do. So it's important. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they could understand the weather, the signs of the sky, but they could not discern the signs of the time. So we're going to be prepared. We're going to be watching, ready, and looking for those things that are coming upon the earth. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. God bless you all. Have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you soon. I've conquered death and I hold the Do